Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. The show is a proud media partner for the 11th Annual Media Excellence Awards, which are produced by Access Entertainment in Los Angeles, California. The Media Excellence Awards are recognized as the most influential awards show, honoring innovation and leadership in all things mobile entertainment, lifestyle, and technology. For more information on how to submit to these awards, please visit MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Sarah Han. She's a visionary leader, global partner, and CEO of Spark Growth. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to have you on the show. You've done a ton of stuff and you're continually doing a ton of stuff. But maybe before we kind of get into all that stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with kind of where you grew up. So I'm actually a Florida native. Yes, there are some of those. Very Um, rare. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But I didn't stay here long. I was born here and my dad was in the service. We went back to Illinois, came back to Florida. Um, So yeah, originally uh, a Florida native and then we moved back when I was in school. So I've spent most of my life in Florida. Okay. Close to the water. (laughs) I'm I'm jealous um, of the weather and the water. (laughs) Um, so you've, you have a ton of kind of education. Do you maybe want to walk us through your educational career and then, um, we'll kind of go from there. So, um, we can, I mean, it's not as maybe formal as, okay. uh, when we say ton of education, but, um, sure. That's a, a great place. Uh, you know, I've got a master's degree in clinical counseling. Okay. I have. What made uh, you take that out of curiosity? So, in the work that I do, I, I work with a lot of um, what they might term themselves as as uber geeks, okay. technology professionals, science sure. type people, and um, and what I've been kind of named is the people geek. So that piece of understanding what makes people um, do what they do. Sure. And I, I, what I, I think how that's really worked in my life is initially looking at families, looking at motivated people individually. And now as I work with um, entrepreneurs and investors and community development, it's just with people in different parts of the world, cultures is what makes them the same? What makes them different? How do they feel? How do they express themselves? And so, uh, although I don't work as a therapist, um, trust me, working with entrepreneurs, you're basically a therapist all the time, right? (laughs) It's, well, in every life is about, you know, I have a, a, somebody I'm doing some work with now. And I said, you know, Learning to understand people sure. is, I think, one of the the biggest keys to su- keys to success. Is really like saying, what makes people tick? How do I make people feel appreciated? How do I, um, 
And so whether in, in the work that I've done in community building and working with entrepreneurs and that, I think the, you know, I didn't maybe start out for that reason, but the, the piece about the, the counseling, the, the understanding people is probably been, um, uh, in my sales career, it definitely helped. Sure. Um, and in, and actually in everything, you know, the best thing that someone can do and it, it's, is, uh, to really pursue, uh, personal development and pursue learning about people and what motivates people. Um, and if you learn that as a skill set, no matter what you do, you're going to be better. Interesting. Okay. So walk me through your kind of career up until what you're doing now and maybe some career highlights along the way. Because you've done a bunch of stuff. It's interesting. Yes. Um, so I like to say I didn't even start out in a normal in a normal job. My first job was in animal research. Okay. <laughs> working with, Interesting. Uh, I was 16, <laughs> um, working with mice and rats and, uh, those, the, you know, those studies that say that, you know, why, um, that you're not as productive, maybe working that night shifts and, and offset sleep patterns influence how you produce. Well, I got to plot little dots from the movements of the ticker tapes from mice on uh, reverse light cycles. So um, al- uh, rats on alcohol studies. So I started in animal research. Okay. I've had the opportunity to work um, as a ballroom dance instructor and studio manager. Um, got to travel and do great stuff with that. Um I've worked in disaster mitigation recovery. I worked with contractors doing cleanup with Hurricane Katrina and a lot of the the storms. Did that for a number of years. Um, Worked for a Disney-like animatronics company. That was really cool. Um, One of the highlights there is we had this remote-operated submersible with a, you know, with a video, um, with a video tether and virtual reality glasses. Interesting. You still don't have access to that, and can I play with that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, so this is the cool part. So we were, my work consisted of, like, talking to children's museums and doing research on hydrothermal vents, and because we would create these tanks, and we would theme them out, and so then you could drop the submersible in there, and with the VR glasses, it would feel like you were actually in a submarine. Sure, that's very So you could recreate. And then um, the fun part is, is I had the opportunity um, through a connection to take the submersible to um, Walt Disney World's Typhoon Lagoon. Very cool. And we had, we put it down the pipes in the back. We got a, a, a backside tour of Typhoon Lagoon and we actually dropped the, the um, ROV into the pipes and were able to steer it through and see some of what makes Typhoon Lagoon tick. So I think that's... Um, Very cool. That was fun. Sure. So, so I'm trying to keep, mm-hmm. keep going. Sorry. So I was trying to think, uh, gosh, that, so then now I have this, you know, a consulting company. I, my, um, I work across industry sectors. I work with investors, okay. um, so how companies did it come at to all be? different stages. So it's, it's a journey. Okay. It's a journey when you have a comp- you know, when you hear entrepreneurs talk about, oh, well, I need to pivot, I need to do this, I learned that, um, you change, change or die. You know, if you're not changing and growing, um, what are you doing? Well, shouldn't that be every company? 
Yeah, so it should be every company. Yeah. It should be every human being. Oh, and yeah, fair. Okay. So how, like, what made you decide to start kind of uh, Spark Growth and, and what, what exactly do you guys kind of do? Because you do a bunch of stuff. So um, what happened really is I was doing business development work okay. and I, I met somebody and we had this conversation about ecosystems and community and um, somehow I ended up getting roped in to have a couple of meetings and bring some people together and that ended up in this community technology uh, development with this. It started as a bar camp and then we just in, continued to grow it. And it happened at a time when, when um, before as Facebook was growing before we had some of the, the parameters and, and, you know, where you could really do some incredible social reach without advertising. And so we, we ended up with hundreds and hundreds of people connected to us and we're doing these events and I'm now the president, uh, a chapter president for an angel investor network. And as we're doing these things, there was, um, we watched the community people come together in technology and business through our, um, there are kind of open space things, you know, doing and what started as just a, a lunch ended up with lunches and after hours and a bigger event. And um, we're working with a, a brand group and they came in and they said, oh, you know, we want to help you capture this. And and so they they gave us a name and our tagline was Spark Growth. And we're like, OK, cool. This is really awesome. And um, but we noticed there was a gap. OK. There was there was a there was a gap and um, in the things that we were doing, and so then there's this piece about um, the leaders and bringing people together across sectors because this was already this was happening in our community um, that we had built, but there wasn't really a place to have the higher level discussion, and we're like okay so we're gonna do this so we we did a one day event, and um, but we were struggling what do we call this, we're not even sure, but you, you feel that something's changing, you're pivoting. Um, and then one day we looked at our t-shirts and we're like, we've been walking around with this <laughs> <laughs> for a couple of years. And yeah, cause on our t-shirts, there was our logo and it said spark growth. And that's what people were saying is, you know, when you guys come here, you're different. This is what happens. These are the, the, uh, the, the implications and um, so it just kind of grew and and then through that we launched this community um, uh, co-work space with education to build community and businesses yeah. and then then we went and got our certification in uh, incubator management um, through our thought leader conference. We went and did agile strategy certification through the Purdue Agile Strategy Lab. Sure. And then we're meeting people from different places in the world. And all of a sudden, you know, this, the network is growing and projects are changing and through our Thought Leaders Conference, we're building trusted relationships with people that are doing incredible things. Sure. And so 
you fast forward down the road and now we're co-producing Smart Cities Innovation Accelerators with an initiative out of the Technology and Entrepreneurship Center at Harvard. Very cool. Um, that's great. That's totally cool. So, so before um, you go, what exactly is a smart city for people that maybe have heard about it, but what exactly is a smart city? You know, um, a smart city is a city that harnesses technology. Okay. That uses the power of technology to create efficiencies um, to improve quality of life for the people that live there, to increase economic opportunity, to its technology gives us the ability to do awesome things. Sure. Um, it's not so, and technology, you know, thousands of years ago, technology was a wheel. Yeah, interesting. So, so what is technology? It's how do you how do you create better places to live, to work? How do you create resiliency in communities? And there's tools and there's resources and there's new things coming forth. How do you bring those together without getting married to the tech bell and whistle? It's not just about tech. Interesting. Because it goes um, outdated or it gets outdated so fast. Is that kind of why? Well, so the thing is, have you ever watched any futuristic movie with a really incredible city and nobody lives there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, and if you forget about the people, uh, okay. you know, you look at a company, you look at a company that has a a, um, a toxic culture. Right. So you can get so caught up with the tech tool that you miss the whole reason that you're doing it. it happens to entrepreneurs all the time. They build companies, yeah. but their ladders leaning on the wrong wall. And so later on you have people that, uh, they go, wow, Interesting. how did I end up with a divorce? How did I, how do I not have a relationship with my children? When did I lose myself in the journey? And so smart cities are cities that, um, harness technology, to do really great things to increase quality of life. And the truth is, is that uh, every city has things that are not so smart about it. Sure. Every city's in a different place. Um, but it's cities that were metropolitan regions or however you want to define what that space is. Um, it's people that are looking to grow, that collaborate, that, that um, share best practices. And so, you know, as one to be able to be in that place and, and working on that um, as one of the, the things that we're working on is uh, it's just, it's really, it's really an awesome place to participate because we get to hear from industry partners and city leaders long before it's, it may be general, uh, news sure. what the questions are what they're working on what's really important so um and it just ended up by building real relationships and and kind of moving down that path and so it's one of the things we get to do now because of that interesting so for well i've done some stuff kind of in with government or, or kind of you know like city organizations how do you deal with kind of the big kind of red tape bureaucracy around 
out of even making sometimes like a simple decision because trying to, you know, bring in some of this innovation into a city is got to be a huge kind of hurdle to, to overcome. Wow. So I think, yeah, for, for city leaders, yeah, they're, um, it is a huge hurdle sometimes. It depends. Okay. It depends on where the city is. It depends on what the leadership um, gets, uh, uh, what they want to do. So they're, um, it depends whether people see something bigger than just that. Cities are, cities are like companies. They're, they're, they have a culture. There are some cities that... Um, are really looking for great answers and are doing phenomenal things Mm -hmm. and people are supportive. And then there are other cities where maybe the leadership isn't as supportive. Um, The red tape, gosh, the city red tape really is um, not a whole lot different, I think, than like when we look at the large industry partners. Okay. Um, You look at a, yeah, a big corporate, a big corporation, and it has a certain type of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really about the leadership. There's, uh, gosh, we were just in, we're in San Diego in April, okay. and we were hosted by David Graham, who's the C, the COO of the city. Okay. And cool. um, yes, it, it's totally cool. And so we're getting to watch how the city of San Diego is making some changes and how David has the ability to do some things. Okay. Um, we'll be in Las Vegas in December. Super excited about that. Very cool. Um, it'll be a, a deep dive on transportation. Okay. And um, so Las, uh, the, the guy, Michael Sherwood, who is, um, he is just a rock star leader and empowers his people. Actually, the city of Las Vegas is actually creating technology, utilizing APIs. Wow. I know. Wow, so, that's rare um, for a city. Like, that's great, but it's uh, almost unheard of, right? So that's why we're going to Las Vegas to go, like, it's like a field trip for city leaders. Interesting. Um, so there's places, um, you know, we'll be in Toronto in September, and okay. we're really excited about um, being in Toronto and the opportunity uh, when we're talking about artificial intelligence and research that's going on there, how they're going to be using that in a predictive way to increase increase quality of life for the citizens of Toronto, which is huge. That's huge. One of the most diverse cities in the world. What are the challenges that you get with that? Interesting. How do you solve them? Yeah, interesting. And obviously, these cities are open to these changes, right? Or they wouldn't be talking to to you guys. So, so what we get to do in the innovation accelerator is, so it like when we were in San Diego, we had twenty seven cities. Okay. Wow. So, what we do is we're actually facilitating the conversation. We're bringing up. based on the insight from our industry partners and city leaders, we get to facilitate those conversations so that they have that context and insight to be able to go back to their cities, to be able to go back to their companies and produce better value. Interesting. Um, 
The city leaders are sharing ideas. They're sharing best practices. They're sharing challenges. Um, And so they're all learning and growing together. So it's that piece of the conversation. It's not that I'm uh, implementing the... um, I'm not implementing the deployment of maybe the smart street light or the new type of camera or, um, gosh, a whole host of other different technologies. I'm not implementing implementing the autonomous public transportation that's being done in Las Vegas. Uh, but I'm having conversations with the multiple industry partners that are a part of that deployment, having conversations, and then facilitating those conversations with other city leaders and other industry partners as we all learn together. Interesting. Yeah, okay. No, that, that makes some sense. And like, I was just, I think I was just reading an article today or yesterday that like Uber just did like 5,000 autonomous vehicle rides or something. So like, that's a huge kind of milestone. And, you know, I've been to Vegas before and just, you know, I've rented a car before and you, everybody wants to drive down the strip. And of course you end up mostly just like crawling and you could probably walk the strip faster sometimes because it's so busy. But so it's interesting that some, a city like that is implementing these things that are basically trying to, make things faster and kind of speed things up and and actually kind of make their city smarter is is quite fascinating to me actually it's to see so it was really fun because um for the event that we did in san diego we'd had a conversation with michael before the event about uh really talking about the cybersecurity protocols and those types of things that that they're uh, and using artificial intelligence in reference to how the city deals with various things. And right. he mentioned this piece on transportation. I'm like, ooh, you should, we should see if you can share that, you know, a, a little bit of your case study when we're in San Diego. And so when he did, um, it was one of the favorite presentations. Everybody's like, cool, we want to go see it. We don't just want to hear about it, but we want to go see how they're utilizing these pieces, how they're bringing them together. And um, so it's on our horizons. We have Toronto on the horizon. We have Vegas on the horizon. um, And we have a couple of other cool places that we're going to be able to go and bring together city leaders in other places in the world um, to talk about what does it look like what does it look like? How do you how do you create a better place for the people that live there? And and who counts when you create that better place? Um, because for for really great leaders, all their citizens count. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Like no. Yeah. It's quite fascinating because I know, and I'm sure this happens kind of throughout um a lot of cities in in um kind of the world i know like at least where i live like the big thing was like putting in bike lanes downtown and like that is very kind of a controversial thing and i I think that's something that most people can relate to right whether they're for or against it doesn't really matter but like there's huge impacts right and you're gonna make a lot of people have opinions good or bad about what you're trying to do right like 
So it's got to be interesting to try to just navigate some of that, right? Or watch these people kind of navigate it with each other, right? Saying like, we did this and we had, you know, this support and maybe some kind of people complaining and, and probably a bunch that don't really care and, and kind of everything else, right? So it's got to be interesting to watch some of these people just kind of talk about the pros and cons of doing some of the stuff that they've done and be able to share that and kind of pass that along to maybe other city leaders that are looking to do something similar in their city. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think the what I love is when to hear um, – because it's very easy for people to complain about a company, a government. Sure. Uh, it, to, it's oh, it's very easy to throw stones at something if you don't understand what happens on the other side to implement it. Right. Um, and so one of the, I think the first time that I really heard somebody talk about it in this way is um, we were looking at data. Okay. And who owns the data in a city and and then how do we educate this one was really good how do we educate our citizens because we have data sure. and lots of people are are gathering data but how do we put in protocols and things that that we can use this data to provide better services to our citizens sure. but yet we have a responsibility with this data to make sure that we also safeguard our citizens and we make the right choices. Um, and so that's an interesting conversation is what does data mean to a city? How do you use it? Who owns it? Sure. And how do you be, how, how are you, um, what's the responsibility of stewardship with that? Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I saw a guy years ago, I can't even remember where I saw him talk, but he was, they were talking about, um, opening some of that data up to public citizens. And the example he was using was something simple as like, okay, well, let's let people maybe report potholes or I don't know, like there's a bus shelter got the glass got broken or, or something like that, right? Like the, if you can share that data maybe with the community, um, somebody might just go fix something or do something in that community because it's their own community. Maybe maybe they won't go fix a pothole or, or bus glass or something, but if you give away certain data that you could potentially make a better city and community just by allowing people to maybe build their own little apps or services around some of this data. And it was actually quite interesting because um, I, I think in some cases, some of that stuff's very useful for kind of the general public or, or app developers to just have, right? And maybe they'll do something with it that you never really thought of. Have you worked with anybody in, in that space where they've kind of talked about maybe just giving away some of it or at least letting people have access to it through APIs or whatnot? Lots of cities are. So that piece of, I don't know if, actually, I don't know if that's quite accurate in saying lots of cities, okay. but there are cities that are looking at doing that. So very interesting, um, city of Boston, a couple of years ago, um, I had the opportunity to meet at an event, uh, Nigel Jacobs okay. with new urban mechanics. Okay. Um, and what the city, so what, one of the stories I loved is, so they, they actually were looking at like, um, 
what we would call, uh, so Nigel uh, used to work with IBM. He's been involved in the startup community. So imagine bringing startup community and big corporate types of pieces to be an innovator for a city. Okay, sure. Interesting. And so then, yeah, so so think about that. And so one of the... um, when Nigel was speaking about one of the examples that they did, he was talking about, you know, a couple of years ago, horrible, horrible winter. And, um, you know, parents are going to pick their kids up at the bus stop, but buses have been delayed. And so they, they don't know, you know, when is my kid going to be there? Where is my kid? And so the city of Boston actually, um, they had this, this app created so that, parents could know where their kids are and what time the bus was going to be there. Because if you have an eight-year-old coming back on the bus and it's, you know, you have bitter freezing weather, um, you know, you can't stand on the corner for like three hours waiting for the bus to get there. And so, and it was interesting. So I said, so Nigel, what are you going to do? Or, you know, now that the city's developed this app, are you going to white label it? And he goes, oh, no, that's not how it worked. Interesting. They actually worked with a company to develop that and then were able to validate that company, you know, to say, oh, yeah, the city of Boston is our first client. And so then they had the opportunity to be testing. Oh, and, and I think that's really yeah important in the entrepreneur world is when early stage ventures have the opportunity to work with later stage ventures, cities, this whole partnership type piece. Sure. Some, some really cool stuff happening in that area. But um, I think that was uh, kind of an, an interesting play on, um, on innovation and how a city can respond. And then the other one is I just met in San Diego, um, a gentleman from San Jose and, uh, there's an article on LinkedIn that I, I just shared on um, utilizing Agile and how a city is utilizing Agile in um, in non-technical aspects to move forward. And Kip Harkness actually comes, uh, he was from PayPal. Interesting. <laughs> and so what can you learn from industry and bring that innovation into a city? And so... Um, Kip's a great guy to follow on LinkedIn, has some really great contributions. And um, so cities are hard. There's a lot of things that people are responsible for, and nobody's ever going to be – you're never going to make everybody happy. There's always going to be somebody who's grouchy. Um, There's not enough money to solve everybody's problem because people think that the city should take care of everything. Sure. Like, like people think that schools should fix everything about what might be happening in society. It's not their job. Yeah, it's interesting because even, so, even just getting back to like my, my pothole example, like I know Domino's like went and fixed a bunch of potholes in a city and they made a whole marketing campaign about like their pizza was going to like bounce around in a car because so like if they had that city data, they would know where those like potholes are, right? Which is interesting. Like maybe I don't know where they got their data from, but like that's a simple example of like somebody, a big company fix something for their citizens and also use it as kind of a marketing thing. I know that's not really what we're talking about, but that's just an example of kind of how you could use city data for something. 
So, and there'll be more and more examples. So when, yeah. but the pothole thing is really fun because, um, in Las Vegas, there, uh, we keep talking about autonomous vehicles sure. and people don't realize that they're connected vehicles. Yeah. You're on star. There's already a lot of data that is available from, from most people's vehicles. Yeah. Interesting. You're, so in Las Vegas, and actually we'll have the opportunity to look at um, there, they have the opportunity to gather information from connected vehicles and anti-lock brakes and where are tires slipping. You can actually see based on the feedback just from the connected vehicles. Interesting. Um, and, you know, oh, there's going to be a pothole here. You can tell by the road conditions and connected vehicles are already through how they, um, they're already gathering that information. You can go into your mechanic and he can read the diagnostics on your car. Sure. I mean, this is already stuff that exists. Sure. And so one of the big challenges that cities have when we're talking about data and that is, um, again, safeguarding their citizens, but also um, standards. Mm-hmm. So this city, you know, it's like if you, if you don't have your Excel sheet set up the same way, it might not upload the way you want it to. Um, So imagine taking data from multiple different places. Who sets those data standards? How will that work? So um, just some of the fun conversations that we get to have. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Thanks for listening to Building the Future. This show is heard by more than a million people monthly in over 15 markets worldwide, including Silicon Valley. Kevin Horick's guests are leading business owners, successful entrepreneurs, and merchandisers worldwide. Now, your brand has an opportunity to tap into this dedicated and active group of business people who are looking for places to invest and the right opportunities to support. Find out how you can get involved at buildingthefutureshow.com. How does that kind of tie into your your thought leader exchange? Um, so, the the thought leader exchange is really um, well to be the conversations that we have with cities and industry partners are the people who are in those types of leadership positions are thought leaders. So sure. our our thought leader. So we so that part was. Um, and we've only we haven't been doing the the um, smart city accelerators for that long. The thought okay. leader exchange really um, that started like almost seven years ago. Wow! And grew I know grew out of some other things that we were doing, and um, that just really came with um, the fact of bringing together leaders across sectors. Okay. You know because you might. You have um, you might have this person over here, and they're like, uh, "Oh my gosh, we're not really sure how to solve this problem." And then you're like, "But hey, this is standard practice over here in this other industry." We're like, "If we put the two of them together, wow! If they they just shared that, uh, you know, somebody would have a solution." And so the thought leader, ex- the exchange grew out of this piece of um, finding a place for leaders that were doing great stuff to collaborate across industry sectors 
Okay. Interesting. Um, so it's like our city leaders are gathering across cities and across, uh, you know, and sharing best practices. The thought leader exchange was a place for people to share what they're doing, um, where they're innovating across sectors so that, uh, so that other people could have a context because with all the information coming at you, um, how do you know where it fits? And context gives you the ability to make sense. You know, it's like the whole piece of data. You can have mass quantities of data, but if you don't have context for that data, it's, you know, dumped in a lake someplace. Yeah, it's useless. Yeah, interesting. Very cool. Yeah, that, that's actually quite fascinating. You're right, because there's it's almost related back to a startup, right? Like, and, and this is a really bad example, but I think it gets the point across. Like if I'm a startup and I'm struggling with um, an accounting problem, right? Chances are somebody else has been through that exact problem and I might not know how to solve it, but if I have somebody else that I can kind of call up and ask, they're just like, oh yeah, just use this or do this. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, so you're, you're basically doing that, right? Like it's, you're, but obviously it's at a grander scale, especially if it's related to like a smart city or something. They're like, we need, we have this problem where we're trying to build a new transit system or something, right? That's obviously, and they're like, I don't even know where to start. And then these guys are like, well, we just finished one and it's been a success. And like you connect those two, right? Like that kind of thing? Absolutely. And so that happens. And I think that's the fun part about what I get to do because all of the projects and the pieces and the companies or communities that I, that I work with mm-hmm. are all about connecting those pieces together. Okay, um, so it's uh, whether it's a city leader saying, Hey, so you were putting in smart street lights and you did this, or this is how we're measuring it. Or whether it's, um, you know, I was, we were talking a little earlier about I'm, you know, I'm going to be speaking in Tunisia in Very October cool. or I know I'm so excited uh, for a friend of mine. And this is uh, a gentleman I met. Uh, we were invited to the friends of global entrepreneurship program at the state department, Very cool. um, the U S state department. Yeah, that was way cool. And uh, so I met this gentleman and he was sharing about entrepreneurs are, um, People are entrepreneurs by choice or by necessity. Interesting. And um, yes. And so sometimes people start companies because they want to. Sometimes people do things simply because um, if they don't do something, they're not going to have. They're not going to be able to feed their kids and take care of the things that they need to. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. Um, Makes sense. So, so the the interesting part is is through this conversation and then. Um, I convinced Peter to come to our conference and speak and share this story because it in in what he was doing because it really impacted me. Sure. And then because of that relationship and what we've been done in um, building entrepreneur communities and working across sectors, then I'll get to go uh, and share that in Tunisia. That's very cool. And because it's yeah, and because it's all about building relationships and connecting. Um, I have another friend of mine from India who's going to be joining us as one of the other speakers, so I'm super excited. That's great. No, that's that's really cool. So 
you mentioned kind of agile in in business how do you kind of work with companies to actually kind of implement some of that agile methodology that's kind of technically really been used for for software development um actually into kind of stuff that's kind of completely unrelated to software development so in today's world okay so those five-year strategic plans yeah um you know all we have to do is go back uh you know, not that not that long ago, not that long ago, um, we were not playing games and our phones now, crazy. The amount of computing power that our phones have, totally. uh, just, just our phones alone have changed how people do business. And, um, you know, the S&P 500 used to, um, the average, the average lifespan of a company on there was about 75 years. Wow. Now it's like four. Yeah. Now it's like 14. Wow. So because the world is changing so fast, they say that in the, um, in the, um, uh, everything internet of things that the biggest companies that there'll be haven't even been created yet. Yeah, which is wild, right? Like, well, Apple just hit their trillion dollar mark, right? Like they're the first company and there's, they're, well, in the grand scheme of companies, they're not that old. Like they were born in the 80s or, or late 70s. I can't remember the exact date, but like they haven't been around that long compared to some of the big like oil and gas companies that used to dominate, right? So, and, and, that's, and that's a great example is oil and gas and utilities. So one of the conversations we've had is, um, Utility companies used to say, hey, this is how we make power and like it or don't use it, right? Sure. Um, It's not the way it works anymore. Now you have corporations, you have city leaders that are saying, oh, we want clean, we want sustainable. And now the consumer has the opportunity to say, no, this is what we want. And so utilities, gas and power, those things that used to be really stable markets. Yeah. Um, they're not so stable anymore. Yeah, Life is changing. Interesting. And so what Agile does in that world is you're working around, <clears throat> you're fostering collaboration so that people can um, share. Sure. They can share assets. But the, the principal piece is, is that whatever the solution that you're going to, it, it comes out of whoever's there. It comes out of what's present in that room um, at that meeting. And you have four key questions based on what we have right here. So, you know, Sarah and Kevin are having this conversation based on who Sarah knows and who Kevin knows and this. What could we actually do together? So you and I both like cool people. We like to talk about interesting things. We like to do things that make a difference. Um, so based on that group of people that we know and the access to information, what could we do? And then just because we can doesn't mean we should. So there's all these things we could do, but what should we actually do? Because we can't do everything. Sure. And then out of the things that we should do, what will we actually do and when? And so Agile gives you the ability, and then you have a time commitment. And then you have the opportunity to go do whatever it is you're doing, come back, 
right? Yeah. Based on your commitment, you say, out of, you know, this is, this is what I've learned. This is what I was able to accomplish. This is what I learned. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. So now, based on the new landscape, so just like your scrum, based on where we are now, so before we were here, now we're here, based on what we know now, what could we do? What should we do? What yeah, will we do? And when? Yeah. And so you continue to iterate with feedback. So you shorten that feedback loop. Sure. And the um, and you iterate each time, tweaking and adjusting. And it's not based on well, so and so who wasn't able to make it, who doesn't want you to move forward. It's based on what could we do? Sure. Could could Kevin and Sarah change the world? Well. Maybe I, we can't do everything, but do we have the ability to make an impact? So that what could we do is always, um, it's always influenced by who's present, who actually shows up. And so using Agile strategies um, in companies uh, helps companies take um, – to better utilize their resources, it helps build a collaborative culture. Yeah. And agile strategy stuff is being used across sectors, governments, private enterprise. Um, doesn't really matter. But in a world that's changing so quickly, the ability to iterate and make adjustments is really important. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously, like, I haven't really had it um, much experience with it kind of the agile methodology outside of software. But the, the thing that I'm about to say, I think is relevant in any industry. It's like you, a lot of times you're so focused on kind of your vertical, what, whatever that is, right? Your position and making sure that you kind of get everything that you need. But a lot of times you forget, or maybe you don't even understand because you're, you don't, you're not in that vertical like how some of your decisions will affect kind of everybody else's vertical, right? And when you have everybody's vertical in the room coming up with ideas and kind of saying, you know what, like that's not going to work because of this or, oh, wow, I never really thought of that. That really will work. And, you know, that benefits me here. And, oh, another guy in another or girl in another vertical will be like, oh, yeah, that could use that. Or, you know, like everybody feels like they're building together instead of being told kind of like, just make this happen. It's like, well, sometimes like just make it happen can't actually happen because of some of the decisions that were made early on. But if people sit in a room from kind of all the different verticals and actually come up with a solution together, everybody feels like they're a part of the whole thing and the success of the project or the project has way higher chance of being successful than if you kind of went with the old kind of way of doing things. Is that fair to say? That, you you just nailed it. Because now if we go back to the city governments and the red tape, sure. if we go back to the entrepreneur and ecosystem development and bringing together people, if we go back to what, how do you transform a company, yep. what you just said works across all those different areas. Yeah. And then it ties back to the smart city stuff that you're talking about, right? Because if you have people that have it, done it, are looking to do it, and then you have kind of maybe a bunch of people from the current city and those different verticals saying like, you know, we don't have the budget or can we do it for this amount or whatever, I, you know what I mean? Um, then you have all those kind of decision makers plus somebody that's already kind of done it or a few people that have done it 
in the room kind of giving the red flags or saying like, look out for this, or have you thought about this? Or what about this? Or cause like, I, and I think a good example of that is like, okay, you're in Florida, you, you guys never get snow for, for, but like other parts of the country do. Right. And so if you pick a technology that, you know, is maybe not, doesn't work in all weather conditions, well, it, it's probably not going to work in some cities, right? Where others, it doesn't really matter because it's, you know, all you really need is sun and rain, right? Like, you know what I'm getting at, right? Like certain things are are really kind of different depending on kind of where they're going to be implemented. Oh, um, and that's, that's what we call an authentic community solution. Interesting. Because although everything's the same, it's different. Yeah. And so the solution that um, Toronto has sure. is not necessarily going to be 100% implemented in San Diego sure. or Houston sure. or Boston or Tampa. Um, now, can we learn from one another and take best practices and then understanding the context of our climate, our governance, all those different pieces, then we apply it based on the context of who we are in contrast to applying it is different than um, mandating it and just superimposing it over somebody else. And that's a lot of times what happens is people want to superimpose. Well, they go to a conference and they're, you know, somebody in, in leadership at a company comes back and goes, well, I saw that this is how it works. And so we're just going to do this. Yeah, and, interesting. And, yeah, not taking into context the culture that's there or how things work and and saying, well, this would work really good, but, you know, we don't even have this over here. Um, and that's the agile strategy, the agile methodology when applied. Um, instead of saying, what do you have? I need this. Instead, it says, so what could we do together? Yeah. And you're building trust and you're allowing people to take ownership and bring what they have to the table in contrast to that directive, you will do this. Uh, creates a whole different environment. Yeah, well, and I think it's also a good trait of a good leader, right? Where they include all the people that are actually involved and their skill sets in the kind of decision-making process. So it's, um, and good leadership is, um, good leadership is good leadership. I think when we were, when we were talking about our thought leaders um, and what is this 3.0 leader, what was this leader coming into? And somebody said, um, that, you know, leadership is the same and it's different. Sure. But the, the key part is the quality of a good leader is growing and learning and listening and asking questions. And, and, um, and so good leaders, and that's where we're seeing, um, we're seeing leaders out of, uh, out of corporates, uh, entrepreneurial leaders. Sure. We're seeing leaders move across sectors to say, how do I make a difference um, in my city and taking whether it were city leaders moving into private sector. Sure. Um, I had a meeting earlier today with someone who's been with the county, who's been in city, who's been in private sector, and now is consulting and helping um, those 
entities work together to take communities forward because they have the ability to change hats and understand the different perspectives of everybody sitting at the table. Yeah, and that's super powerful, right? And super useful. And I think a lot of people don't think about that, but I but I think that's a huge kind of uh, mentality to have, right? And I'm, I'm hoping that more and more companies kind of adopt that because I think they're starting to. Do, do you, would you say that? More and more companies and cities? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think people who don't adapt, you know, it's that we're talking about that piece of change. Um, yeah, I, I think we're interest, we're entering into a very interesting time. And, um, the, uh, the transparency of digital yeah. and the, uh, that, um, that's one of the big things that, that people are challenged with it at all different levels. Um, but that transparency, um, I think, I think that's, that's a very interesting thing. And how will that work out? How do we, um, how do we engage our citizens? You'll see a lot of things around that. How do we get that feedback, whether it's, hey, there's a pothole that I need to fix. Um, and so, so good cities, good companies are all becoming a part of that process. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. But Sarah, we're, we're out of time. So Let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and uh, the company. So, um, Sarah Hand, and our company is called Spark Growth. We're at sparkgrowth.net. And uh, there's, uh, you can find links to things that we do there. We have um, various video content from the thought leaders. Uh, conferences that we've run years of great content on from smart cities and uh, um, great leadership building entrepreneur ecosystems. So connect with us at, at sparkgrowth.net. Find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Hand. Um, fairly easy to find just in general and would love to hear how people want to connect. Perfect. Sarah. And do cool, cool projects. <laughs> Well, Sarah, I really appreciate you taking the time in your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.